This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Borkowski, and so happy to have you join me once again. Next week, if you don't remember from our many reminders, we will be starting our 10-part series on the Paradox Playlist, where we talk to so many amazing female leaders in multiple contexts, including higher ed, nonprofits, coaching, um, Broadway, oh my goodness, um, athletics, Olympic athletes, just an amazing lineup of guests. So I hope you will join us for that. To wrap up this, you know, September series of, of episodes, if you will, I wanted to continue our conversation around this idea of the expert novice or the novice expert paradox. And you know from listening to many of the episodes across multiple seasons of this podcast, I love paradox. And one thing you'll hear as Danielle and I journey through these conversations with these amazing leaders is our own understanding and definition and articulation of this idea of paradox really starts to evolve. And quite frankly, through writing this book that's coming out October 7th and through these wonderful interviews, my own identity around this paradox of novice expert has also evolved as I talked about in a previous episode. And what I sort of settled on is this idea of multiple narratives. And I love one of our guests talks um, in some depth around this idea of, you know, reinvention and multiple narratives versus sort of, we, we sometimes hear, you know, health and wellness experts talk about shedding away the old and creating the new. And what this one um, guest reminds us of is that, you know, we're human beings that we really can't just shed old parts of us, that it's really a, a matter of perhaps reintegration and reinvention and renewal and acknowledging the space that that part, you know, takes up in our in our lives and in our hearts and minds and sort of how it can emerge in different ways once we've sort of reconciled and wrestled with those different narratives that seem sometimes to be oppositional. So again, it got me thinking about the journey to these multiple narratives and my own personal wrestling with and eventual really reinvention that I went through and I know that others have gone through and continue to go through to create 
really what I was thinking about as new spaces. Um, and when I say new spaces, I mean new spaces within us and around us. And of course, you know, I love a good paradox and I also love a good me- metaphor as much as I love a good paradox. And in, in a couple of episodes, um, the previous one on form, you know, I, I went a little crazy with the uh, sports metaphors. Um, but so, yeah, so I just love a good visual. And in, in this episode, I wanted to talk about two, actually. And what brings us to this discussion is a story, right? If you've listened to my podcast, you know I love a good story as well. And so the story is about our oldest son, Colby, and he just loves comics. He loves comic books. He loves comedians. He loves any sort of funny movie or show. And he's at that age where he's into those silly joke books. So we get a lot of you know, jokes read to us at the dinner table. And I don't even remember how at this point, maybe it was during the pandemic when we started doing family, you know, Friday night family movie night. And we went through sort of a litany of all of the different sort of family friendly movies that were appropriate for six year olds and nine year olds. And we found, I actually think it was, we watched, um, I think it's called Cheaper by the Dozen. And if you haven't seen that, it's, it is a family with, yes, 12 kids or 10 kids, Cheaper by the Dozen. I can't remember. It's a lot of kids, 10, maybe 10 or 11 kids. And Steve Martin is the dad. And so this really started Colby on, you know, <laughs> the exploration of Steve Martin's greatest hits. And So we have been on a mission probably over the last, I don't know, six to eight months trying to identify and learn more about the movies, the the clips. Um, We've even found a book that he partnered with a a New Yorker comic, um, like a person who, uh, an artist, a New Yorker magazine artist, and they they worked together to do a, a book about comic strips. And so he was all into that. And if anybody knows Steve Martin, and I know there are lots of people out there who do, he's not really in the kid-friendly genre most of his career. So finding movies that were kid-appropriate have been challenging. But fortunately, you know, we have found some. There's, you know, multiple Cheaper by the Dozen. There's Father of the Bride. And luckily, he did uh, a remake of, you know, the Pink Panther movies. So again, physical slapstick kind of comedy is just right in the heart of what Colby loves um, in terms of his humor. So the reason I bring this up is because recently we've been looking for another, you know, another movie sort of in the, again, the Steve Martin, you know, movieography, if you will, or, um, and we found Parenthood. And this is an old one. Like this one is from the late 80s, I think. So it's pretty old. Um, and there is a TV show called Parenthood. That's not what I'm referring to. It's a movie. And in the movie, um, he's a dad, Gil. And um, his mom is is played by Mary Steenburgen. Bergen, and they have, I think they have three kids, two or three kids. And it's a, it's a whole family, you know, siblings, cousins, etc. And so he was really interested. He had heard at school about this movie and wondered if it was appropriate. And honestly, it's been so long since I've watched it. I remember how hilarious it was. I mean, Keanu Reeves is in this when he is, I mean, this is, or he's really like a young, he's a baby in this movie essentially. Um, so it's a funny one. I just can't remember. I couldn't remember if the humor was, you know, nine-year-old appropriate. And so the beautiful thing is you can Google, trailers and clips and all sorts of things so we watched a trailer together 
and we watched some clips and I found this clip and this brings me to the metaphors. I found this clip and if you've ever seen this movie, it's towards the end of the movie and it's a clip about roller coasters and merry-go-rounds. So this is metaphor number one. So in the scene, there are three actors, Helen Shaw, who plays the grandmother, Steve Martin, of course, is one of the dads, Gil, and Mary Steenbergen is Gil's wife. And I'm, I'm so sorry, I cannot, I cannot remember her name. So in the scene, you know, again, this is towards the end of the movie. It's been just, it's crazy. It's lots of little kids, lots of chaos, as you can imagine with big families, you know, all the, the drama, excitement and craziness. And in the scene, Steve and Steve Martin and Mary Steenberger are in their house by themselves, sort of cleaning up after the latest family celebration. And Mary, the the wife, is talking about how she really wants to have another kid. And they are they're not old, but they're, you know, in 19 in the 19 late 1980s, it would have been older to be having kids, right? And she's just talking about, you know, how wonderful it would be, how lovely it would be. And what you have to understand about Steve Martin's character is he like, like, it sounds a little bit like me. He likes things in order. He likes things to be organized. He likes clean answers to things, right? And he turns to her and he says, you know, I just, it's just messy to imagine having another kid, like how old I will be. And do we really want to do this again? And Mary Steenbergen just keeps saying, yes, but I love messes. It'll be wonderful. And in walks the grandmom. And I don't know how old she is. She's probably in her 80s or so. And she's one of those characters in a movie where she's pretty quiet. There aren't a lot of lines. But when she says something, you want to stop and listen because it's usually either hilarious or super wise, right? So like she's she's a woman of few words, but when she speaks, you should you should listen to her. So she walks into the room and she says she's talking about, you know, she all of a sudden she just starts interrupting and she says very quietly, you know, some people like roller coasters and some people like merry-go-rounds. And I always love the roller coaster. And she talks about, you know, dating her husband who's now passed and, you know, how young they were and all that they did. And she said, you know, that she loved the roller coaster and that she always wanted to go again. You know, it was just so interesting to me that a ride, that roller coaster, could make me so frightened, so scared, so sick, so excited and so thrilled all together. And of course, in the movie, Steve Martin turns to Mary Steenburgen and says, you know, basically infers that grandma's a little loopy. And Mary gets, Mary Steenburgen gets mad at him and says, well, I love a roller coaster, right? So hold that thought for a second. This idea that a ride could make you frightened, scared, sick, excited, and so thrilled all together. So the second metaphor that I wanted to speak of today is the Peloton. Surprise, surprise, right? You had to know that it was coming. So right now I'm in the second week week of doing something that's called power zone training. One of the great things about, one of the many great things about Peloton is if the thousands of ride options that you have, you know, at your fingertips isn't enough, They have a multitude of training programs that you can sign up on and then they set the schedule for four to six, eight weeks depending on the training. And so I thought to change it up and really focus on one area, I would try one of those 
those training programs. And so I chose the power zone. So the idea with power zone is to learn and improve where you are in terms of performance. And the performance zones are zones one to seven, one being the easiest, seven being hardest. And it's not just that it's hardest, seven represents a level of performance that is super hard and that you could only hold for like 15 minutes, right? Versus zone two and three, which are sort of those zones Zone three is known as what's called a tempo zone, where you're able to be at a particular power, and I'll talk about power in a second, it's a certain level of performance for about an hour, and you could maintain that for about an hour. Zone two is a rhythm and a comfort level of performance that you could basically do all day and feel like you could talk. You might have be a little breathy, but you could talk to the person next to you. FTP, the functional threshold power, which is how you measure that power, is just this average power you could sustain for one hour. So essentially part of the program is they have you do this 20-minute test to help you determine where your zones are, and then you're able to use those zones throughout this program. Now just to think about power, power or performance is really another way to think about it. In biking, it's this combination of resistance, right? So think about flats, rolling hills, and hills or mountains that you might climb, right? The steeper the hill, the more resistance. So obviously you're exerting more power just by virtue of the resistance. The other way to, (coughs) excuse me, calibrate your power is through speed. And so the simple math tells you that resistance times speed gets you power. So if you're able to increase both, you increase power. If you decrease both, you decrease power. It also implies that some combination of the two can get you to different levels of power. So you don't always have to be increasing both. So for example, if you wanted to maintain your power, so let's say you were at, I don't know, 100, 130 watts. It doesn't really matter what, what the power is, right? But let's say you wanted to maintain that power. You could adjust your resistance, right? You could lower the resistance, the hill, think about flattening that hill a little bit and speed up ever so slightly to maintain a particular power. Or you could speed up even more and lower that, flatten that hill a bit more and maintain the same power, right? So there's this different mix of resistance and speed to get to this particular performance. So stay with me. I know you're like, what is she talking about, right? So what I'm realizing that it's it's possible to maintain a level of power with different combinations of resistance and speed, right? So I just told you that example. Um, you don't have to be at top speed to achieve higher higher power. A little bit of both could achieve this new level, right? So you don't have to be put, putting the gas on and and killing yourself. You could just make adjustments to both. Additionally, a little bit more resistance just by one or two points at a slower speed, which might feel more comfortable, could also increase either the same level of power, right, to make it maybe feel a little bit more comfortable, but still feeling that power. Um, Or you could adjust even further to get differently, right? So again, why do I tell you this? So one, increasing performance, however you define performance, whatever that outcome is, is usually some optimal mix of multiple variables, not any excess of any one element. In fact, I would argue 
that any excess of any particular variable is not sustainable. So think about that for a minute. When you think about your approach to performance and define performance however you want to define it, right? Whether it's academics, whether it's in your job, whether it's collaboration, connection, health, wellness, biking, whatever it is, right? Doing any one variable that matters in excess is not sustainable in terms of maintaining a particular level of performance. Now think back to paradox and embracing those multiple narratives, right? Think about how you get to embracing those multiple narratives. Additionally, why do I tell you this? Slowing down is not necessarily less performance or lower performance. I just told you that you could slow down and calibrate or change that other variable, which is resistance, and maintain the same power. In fact, the trainers in Peloton will tell you that maintaining, you know, slower, doing at a lower power zone, right, that two or three, which is sort of the one that you could keep for hours or even the tempo at three, it's actually building power and foundation and stamina, right? Building power, foundation, and stamina if you slow down and go at lower levels. Additionally, what I've really liked about these power zone training is noticing where you are is what matters in this threshold training. Trainers don't even yell out, not that they yell ever, but they don't name a level of speed or resistance. So they don't say, Make sure you're going at a, you know, pace of um, 95 RPMs or this song is at 100 RPMs. Make sure you hit that and your resistance needs to be this. We don't, they don't do that in power zone training. It's all about your own zones. What they do say is now you should be in zone three for five minutes and then it's up to you to remember how to calibrate those variables, how you want to calibrate those variables, right? Going a little faster with a little less resistance or vice versa and getting to your zone. What's cool is that you decide what the combo is. What is available to you on this day, in this moment to achieve the level that you wanna get to, which is that power zone. So back to the roller coaster metaphor. I think it's obvious that what I'm trying to say is that life, you know, in a roller coaster or like a roller coaster is scary. We get sick sometimes, we have fun, we have excitement, there are ups and there are downs. And our ability to journey in our lives to make the most of the process is to name our intention, right? The zone, the goal, the power. And then we leverage the affordances, those opportunities, those variables in our environment to do the work. We notice and name the overlaps, the connections, the integration of those different variables or multiple narratives, and that's how we get to success, however you define success. So what I'm saying to you is I just thought it was really interesting to think about roller coasters, Peloton training, and how... I don't know. I just think this idea that we're all on our own journey. 
We all have to name the zone we're in at the moment and use the variables, leverage what's in the environment, the resources, the connections, the people to help us achieve what we want to achieve. And I think the takeaways for me and maybe the call to action for you to consider is three things. One, this work, this this life work, this transitions work, this work on the Peloton, this work of, you know, navigating the roller coaster, whatever metaphor you prefer, involves time. And when I say time, it's about the fact that it you need time, so you have to build in the time and the space and the moments to do the work. And and I want you to hear this, it takes time. Okay? You need to make time. And then it takes time. And what do I mean by that? The taking time part means it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a week. And sometimes it won't happen in a year. That it takes time to see change and make new habits and reinvent and acknowledge these multiple narratives. I mean, honestly, I can't tell you how long it's been that I've been grappling with imposter syndrome and this novice expert and it was really up until this past year that I it occurred to me this idea of multiple narratives. Additionally, I would hope and ask you to think about powerful questions. What are the things you could be thinking about and asking yourself in these moments? What do you notice in this moment when you're feeling a certain way, when you're having trouble with something, when you're struggling, when you're feeling that resistance? What are you noticing? What are you learning? What does it look like? And what could you call it? Is it that struggle that you're having with the paradox? Are you struggling with the voice in your head that says you should be able to do that? The only way to move forward in this journey successfully is to be in the moment, to notice the moment, and to name it for what it is and just let it wash over you, right? Wash over you and be in it. And lastly, I don't ever want us to forget the importance of acknowledgement. And what do I mean by that? Well, of course, we should be paying acknowledgement and gratitude to those around us because nothing gets done without those connections and relationships with other people. Equally important, though, is acknowledging ourselves and having grace and gratitude for the work that we are trying to do every day, to have the grace to recognize that, you know what, this is what I've got today. I showed up. I did what I said I was going to do. It might be different than what I thought I was going to do, but I showed up and I did the work. And gratitude, I'm all about celebrating those little moments. So celebrate. If it was just a matter of you got out of bed on time and you got yourself out for a walk or you got yourself to a meeting or you scheduled some time with a colleague that you've been, you know, putting off, celebrate that. Be where you are in this work try to acknowledge the shoulds that creep up in your head and send them into time out or push them away, whatever it takes. Be present for others and yourself. Remember, go back to the needing time and takes time. And my goodness, celebrate these these wonderful moments that you have. It really is about this process and those little celebrations along the journey. All right. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Tell Me This. It's all about the roller coasters and the merry-go-rounds. And I hope you choose the roller coaster 
and think about the time that's needed and that it takes to be on this journey and to successfully navigate this journey, the questions you could ask yourself about that journey, and always remember to acknowledge those around you and yourself because this really is a relational collective effort that we are on and just give yourself grace and gratitude for each day that you you move through and that you're successful in. So, all right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget that starting next week is the beginning of our 10-part series of Paradox Playlist. Danielle and I kick off the episodes with sort of an introduction to what's coming. We talk a little bit more about what Paradox is I think the bottom line is I'm just super excited for everybody to hear these wonderful conversations we had with these amazing female leaders. And it was such a pleasure and a privilege to, you know, engage in these conversations with Danielle. And I don't know, I guess I just feel like we've been dropping breadcrumbs for the past several weeks and it's about time we get started on this great 10 part series. So thank you again so much for listening to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Borkowski, and just really am grateful for everyone who continues to listen and reach out. So be well, everybody. Take care. So sincere under the glaciers your last year Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.